if I could start really, what where, where did Learning Pool begin? And is it it's Derry is the hometown, isn't it? Yeah, we're based in Derry, um, John. So uh, I started Learning Pool in two thousand six. Um, so the story goes that we're a kitchen table startup. Um, so we and, and it, that's the story because it's true. We we set the business up at my kitchen table. Um, Around a around an idea of using uh, online learning to deliver value to some customers that uh, we knew of from sort of previous consulting uh, work that we were doing, um, and at the time, you know, uh, it was two thousand six. You know, if you think about it, Facebook and Twitter were being set up somewhere in the world, and mm. um, and lots of businesses and organisations were starting to starting to get to grips with the internet and the, 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 the industry that we knew as a founding team was um, was local government in the UK. And the issue that they had was that they were, and the, the, I suppose the opportunity that we spotted was that they were, they were a little bit like being on the outside of the sweet shop. They could see all of this good stuff, but they couldn't make the investment required to get there. Mm. So they couldn't front up the big capital expense that it would take to shift their online shift their, their corporate learning online um, and so and so rather than it being a problem for them it was just a missed opportunity for them really mm. um, and so so we spotted an opportunity to say well look here's a fairly homogenous industry we can build one sell <coughs> sell many times um, and uh, and see where it goes and, and you know I think that's probably one of the reasons that we we accidentally built a SaaS business, you know, so like we, you know, SaaS wasn't a thing in 2006, at least, at least it wasn't a thing in Derry. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 you know, we didn't build a business saying we want to be a SaaS provider. We built a business saying we want to solve a problem for a specific group of people mm. um, and, and, uh, and see where it goes. And, uh, and off the back of that, you know, primarily because customers, Customers unfortunately had um, more sense than money. Uh, they weren't prepared to pay upfront for anything, really. So you know, the first early customers that we got, we were just sort of said, you know, fuckers, will you give me a rental on this? Effectively, you know, <laughs> um, and I'll come and if you use it, I'll I'll come back and you can pay me again next year. Um, and that's that's the, that's been the basis of the business and the uh, the the revenue the revenue model that we've managed to build out. You know. And the other thing as well, I mean, I believe I believe innovation can come from anywhere. And, you know, often when I say, oh, this company is from somewhere like Galway or this company is from 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 Derry or wherever, my attitude is generally, why not? But you don't really hear a lot about uh, t I mean, from 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 a Derry point of view. Yes, you've got companies like Seagate there and there's a really good digital media scene in Derry uh, driven by the local yeah. academic scene. But startups from Derry aren't ones you hear a lot about, and and you guys have really kind of put the town on on the map. Um, what was it like? Like, uh, like, did you did you know it was at the time you were starting out? You know, was your attitude like that? Like, why not Derry? Or was it a case of, you know, do we need to go anywhere else to do this? Do we need to go to Belfast or do we need to go to to the UK or or Dublin? No, well, I mean, I mean, look, you know, we we just happened to be in Derry, and mm. therefore we started hiring people close to where we were, and. And, you know, I suppose we're unusual in that, you know, we're based in Northern Ireland, but we never once 
strategically or otherwise had any ambition to sell business, particularly in Northern Ireland or even in the South of Ireland. That we were very, very focused on mainland UK as our as our market. But Derry, Derry was a was a reasonable place to get started. But it's become it's become a really essential part of the story. You know, Learning Pool is a big deal in Derry, mm. um, and 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 we very quickly became a very big fish in quite a small pond. And, you know, I think when I, whenever I look back on the history of the business, you know, I'm not sure we would have survived or, or certainly done as well without the dairy thing. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that, doesn't, that doesn't mean that it was easy, right? So, the, you know, the, the talent pool is shallow mm-hmm. and, and you're, you're asking people to come and work for you on the basis of their talent, not necessarily on the basis of their experience, and that that causes its own problems. Mm. Um, but what it does, and and you know, some people say to me, "Oh yeah, but it's dirt cheap." And like, yeah, is it? You know, think some things are. So mm. office accommodation. So we've got, you know, amazing quality office accommodation in Northern Ireland, and um, it's for nothing, right? And mm. um, but when you talk about salaries, you know the, there's a marginal there's a marginal difference mm. Derry to Belfast, Belfast to the UK. But really, that's not the reason. It's not it's the economics aren't strong enough mm. for it to make that much difference. But what we've got in Derry and in Belfast is loyalty that you wouldn't believe. I, I was just so, thinking that because you don't also have like the likes of Google or Facebook down the street kind of competing with you. I always yeah. felt sorry for say a Dublin startup that has to try and you get people to a certain level and you know yeah. you know they, they may have always been going on their lives and they might say well actually now i need more money for a mortgage and oh look here's here's facebook dangling a nice six-figure salary you probably don't have yeah. that pressure no not so much i mean you do you know i think interestingly it'll it, it remains to be seen what that looks like coming out of the pandemic because mm. you know certainly certainly i think the tech industry has got more a much more of a sort of work from anywhere kind of focus mm-hmm. um but but ultimately i think that'll probably balance itself out balance itself out too but you know we've you know i think i think it's very true to say that we would have been washed away as a startup if we were in dublin or london mm. um just because you, we, we just would have lost our best people and and you know and, and then and then when we got to a, when we got to a scale the northern Ireland thing started to work work in our favor in that you know you have people who are doing that Dublin thing and the money's good but the commute's pain in the ass and it's it's all a bit of a it's all a bit hard whereas you know some people some people just decide you know what some people decide to be honest to do what I did, um, which was just get out of Dublin and move to the northwest, and, mm. and uh, you know it's a it, it's a it's a it's a different dynamic. It's a when you're starting to you know bring up kids and do all that sort of stuff, you know there's a lot to be said for it. You know, and in terms of the I suppose the the trajectory you guys are on, because in the last year alone it's been quite dizzying. Um, your 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 le- your revenue growth has been rising, but you've acquired at least two companies in the last two years h2c ht2 yeah. labs and uh yeah. remote learner and where does that position you in the market that you're targeting um as you said you i found it quite intriguing and uh interesting when you said that uh you kind of fell into uh sas and that it was kind of more of a i suppose a means to an end as opposed to what you really probably yeah. had planned to do but in terms of the market you're in and like i i, I mean i don't know all about these uh 
uh, or Gartner Magic Quadrants or whatever, but where does it position you in your overall yeah, market so, space? Yeah, so, so the, the online learning industry globally is highly fragmented. So mm. most of these industries are like a pyramid. The online learning industry is a bit more like it's a bit more like the Eiffel Tower. It's got a massive sort of base. It's got a sort of big thing at the top, and then there's nothing in the middle. Right? <laughs> and and, uh, and we over the last two years have gone from being one of those few providers in the middle to being now fairly substantial and at scale um, in in the mar- in most of the markets that we serve. So you know the business plan for learning tools, you know since pretty early, not quite the kitchen table day, but, you know, not shortly, not long after that, um, the business plan for learning tool has been double the business, don't raise money, don't, mm. don't lose money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, since, so the, the real pivot for the for learning tool as a business came in 2016 when we did the, uh, the private equity deal with CCI. Mm. Um, and since then, you know, we doubled the business and then we've doubled it again. Um, and we've done that through organic growth and um, and and bolt on acquisitions, um, and so the next the next pivot after that for us was the was the HT two deal. So so HT two was a, a relatively small company that had done two um, fairly special things. So they had built a piece of technology that was representative of the of the next generation of technology that the industry was looking for. And the second thing that they had done, and which was special for UK businesses, that they'd gone to the US. So they had no right to go to the US and no logical reason to go to the US, but they fucking went. Right? <laughs> and, and so what that did for us was that it gave us a new technology stack, which has, over the last 18 months, become effectively the future of the business. It's this product called called Stream, it's a, it's a learning experience platform. Mm. Um, and that's become the future of the business because we took what Ben and his team at HT2 had done and we built around that with some of the innovations that were coming out of Learning Tool. Um, and we've, we've, we've got something to market that we think has got a real chance of, of, of being, being very successful. It's got a lot of traction in the market already. It's the fastest growing part of our business. Um, and the opportunity looks really interesting. Um, and then the second thing that we that 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 gives that's given us is uh, is really what you might think of as like a beachhead in the U.S. So you know, small team, but some good customers, right? Right. So like Macy's and Yum Brands and uh, KPMG in New Jersey. Right? Mm. So brands that you've heard of. Um, and so the strategy over the last two years or eighteen months since we did that deal has been very much about about doubling down on that, building on the momentum that, that that's given us. And and that created the opportunity for remote learner to make sense, really. Yeah. Um, so remote learner is a bigger business with more people. So we've got 40 people in the US now as a result of that deal. Um, and, it's, and again, similar similar profile of customer base. So Indeed is one of their biggest customers mm. in the firm. Um, and, uh, and that just gives us a big chance. So, you know, yeah, I mean, it has dizzying is a good word to describe the growth over the last certainly two years, and mm. it it feels that on days, you know, um, <laughs> where you're just managing, you're managing just substantial scale and change at scale. Mm. Um, but you know where we've been able to get the business to in that sense is that we're 
you know, we're doing 30% of revenues out of North America now. Um, we're, our SaaS platform has been re replatformed, if you like, and we are, you know, enjoying that as a ride. And the market is opening up. So, you know, the pandemic, you know, the pandemic has been very tough in terms of the logistics, staff mm -hmm. safety, looking after customers who Selling. are in tricky sectors like hospitality, yeah. all of that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, it's marked a real shift to delivering online. So, so I think it's it's fair to say that the the notion of classroom training in a corporate sector, in a corporate in a corporate business, is done. It's gone. Mm -hmm. It's not coming back. And and you know the the seven day leadership retreat to <laughs> somewhere fancy it's over mm. right the the conference where you go to you know catch up with your cronies and uh, and and see what's new in the market gone and it might not be back for two or three years i think and um, so online is now the default is the de facto standard for for learning but also for corporate comms for strategy for business mm. development and and learning pool has got uh, something to say that sits in the middle of, of a lot of that because that's the thing I was thinking there. Like, I mean, uh, the, with the shift to most people working from home, and companies trying to keep their staff engaged, uh, it's not so much you're hearing about e-learning anymore. You're hearing about learning and development, and that seems yeah. to be a big, big push on it. And and do you, do you see that culturally that that's kind of been? I know I know obviously COVID has affected how you would traditionally get out there and sell and negotiate and you know fly people into buildings and they talk to someone and then they walk away with a contract. But that's gone as well. But yeah. in terms of learning and development, do you see yourselves part of that kind of um, narrative? Yeah, for sure. And you know, I think, I think so. So, learning pool is part of an industry that's been that's been, in some in some cases, dragging customers along that continuum, right? Um, and if you if you if you look at it, you know, twenty years ago. There was some research. There was some research done by McKinsey recently that said 20 years ago, 25% of the of the training spend in businesses was 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 assigned to e-learning as a niche, right? Mm. And two years ago, that was 32%, right? So the industry has just tracked inflation effectively, right? Mm. So we've we've managed to we've managed to to, to change business substantially, but you know, their overall spend hasn't really, the, the fuel mixture and the spend profile hasn't changed that much. Mm. Um, we're seeing really, we're seeing very clear, early, but very clear signs that that is now changing. So we're, and we're seeing this particularly with businesses who are, this is a new thing in, in the industry now as a result of the pandemic called, uh, called reboarding. So this is where, you know, a retail chain furloughs everybody, everyone goes to sleep, and then you get them back when lockdown lifts and you get them back into work and get them productive. But what you're actually doing is you're bringing them back into a different business mm. with different health and safety regulations, with a different business model sometimes, with different expectations of what of what customers are going to get, all of that sort of stuff. Um, and all of that translates into speed, consistency, cost, um, reliability, and fundamentally, behavior change. So, you know, that as expected has driven a, se a severe 
increase in the number in the, just the usage of um, of our technology and content mm. by customers, but it's also it's also starting to drive sort of new logo demand. Um, and uh, and so from that perspective, I think it's 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 an it's an extremely and again you know you go out you go out into the streets and you know you see what's happening in the economy and you know it's gonna it's gonna be tough right mm. you know the recession that's coming is gonna be is gonna be like nothing that any of us have ever imagined I don't think but you know as a as a segment within that within that sort of ma- those macroeconomics I think I think online learning is a really interesting place to be um, and uh, you know and I think. I think we, we feel like we've got the right product mix, the right customer success model, um, and, uh, and 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 the, and the right brand to, to go and to go and double the business, don't lose money. And, and here's the here's the inevitable Brexit question because you're a Northern Ireland software company, so in Derry yeah. and Belfast, and I was just kind of wondering what 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 impact Brexit could possibly have on a on a business that does software and intellectual property and. Uh, I'd imagine it's quite straightforward in terms of your dealings with the US, uh, but also then selling into Europe. Does it, does it really have an impact on you guys as much as it would have on, say, a business that's obviously selling agricultural produce or has to go through customs? Do you still have some yeah. similar difficulties that you have to deal with? Yeah, I mean, look, I think, you know, we have been, we have been protected largely from the impact of Brexit um, in, in almost every way. Hmm. So, um, you know, we're in a good sector. Our services is not impacted by Brexit at least yet. Um, we are in Northern Ireland. The Northern Ireland Protocol gives us, uh, as a business training in Northern Ireland, the promise of the best of both. Yeah. Um. Uh. Certainly in terms of, in terms of how the market access works and all of that sort of stuff. Um. And, and and from that from that from that perspective, we're we're in a really lucky spot and I expect us to continue to be in that lucky spot. I think where Brexit impacts us is really in in terms of, you know, the the I described I described the uncertainty around Brexit last week as just maddening mm. because, you know, for businesses and, and so we, you know, we're a tech business, but we trade with businesses in manufacturing and the food service industry and hospitality and all these in all these sectors. And when I talk to those customers you know, my heart goes out to them because I just have no idea how you can run a business like this yeah. where your distribution could change overnight, probably will, but might not. Um, and now it has, but nobody knows whether that's real or imaginary or whatever the hell. Mm. So the impact on our customers is a thing that we're watching very carefully and we're concerned about because if our customers start to fail and falter, then that will have an impact on us. And then the other thing is just in terms of whether we will continue to be able to access talent in the traditional way that we mm. have and whether being in Northern Ireland and the UK potentially becomes a disadvantage to us. Now, the indications are that it won't really, but I think I think there is a there is a potential concern about for me about, you know, the sort of UK brand as a place that people want to come to. and mm. um, and I think, you know, we haven't we haven't seen that so far. To be fair, the the, the pandemic probably offset some of the concerns that we bit there for me because, you know, everyone is very focused on and comfortable in this sort of work anywhere type type world, and um, and so so I think we'll we'll I think there's a reasonable chance that we'll dodge that last risk. But certainly, you know, Brexit, you know, Brexit is just 
sorry, the execution of Brexit mm. is just so poor, right? Yeah. And, you know, it, this is just, you know, businesses deserve better than this, yeah. I think, from our politicians. Well, um, they deserve certainty. I, I mean, every business relies on certainty of some kind, you know yeah, what I mean? And totally. whether it's financial or regulatory or policy, no matter what. And I think you're right. I think, I think, I think a lot of businesses, not only in, let's say, Northern Ireland, but across in, in, the, in, in England, Scotland, Wales, I mean, they've been sorely, sorely let down and like they've been, yeah. they've been, they've been, they've been sold, a, sold a pup, basically. I think at a lot of levels, they've, they've been told it was sorted that it wasn't really. And it's kind of left yeah, in a dangerous place. Yeah, I think so. And you know, and I, and I think I think the, the 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 most frustrating thing I think for Northern Ireland is that you know there is a Northern Ireland needs an economic stimulus, stimulus, mm. a generational shift, yeah. right? Um, and in a funny way, the Brexit thing could be that you know, if you to your point is right, businesses want certainty, but businesses also want an edge. And difference sometimes can be an edge. Mm-hmm. So if I look at this from a Northern Ireland perspective, I think, you know, there's an edge here, and somebody just needs to work out what that edge gives us. Yeah. So that so that you can you can drive really significant um, growth into the economy in Northern Ireland over the next ten years, which would which would be you know to your point at the top, like you know. There's not that many startup businesses coming out of coming out of Derry, and why not? Well, you know, change the conditions, and maybe 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 it happens more, right? And all, and also like the success of guys like you. I mean, obviously, I mean, I've seen it with companies like in 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 Republic, uh, Iona in Dublin around the year two thousand. Yeah. There's at least fifty companies that each older origins to being former staff of Iona and you create conditions whereby people you know they, they become wealthy and then they will either they, they both become experienced and they'll start their own businesses as well and, and you, you'd yeah. like you would like to see uh, learning pools spawn a whole generation of other companies yeah. as well in time yeah, well, you know one of my uh, one of my non-exec directors is a guy called Donald Clark who's a Scottish man who lives in uh, who's lived in Brighton for most of his adult life and Brighton is the home of the e-learning industry in in the UK. All of my competitors are either based in Brighton or have a big big base there. We're the only company in the industry who aren't in Brighton, and we've got a couple of people there who happen to work from home. And um, why does Brighton own the e-learning industry? Because Donald, with two pound fifty and a couple of mates, set up an e-learning business in the in the late seventies. Right now. It, t- it takes, a, uh, so Brighton's been a big deal in e-learning since I've been in the industry. It doesn't happen overnight, mm. but it does, It do, you know, it, it wasn't a government policy that did that. It was literally four hippies who decided to make some money out of e-learning. They built a business that got floated. They all started their own companies on the back of that. Um, and, you know, it's just a, it's just a massive network. Um, and, you know, like, if you think about Northern Ireland and Ireland in, in general sense, like that's that's the kind of shit Irish people do all the time, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, you know, it's like all we do is talk. So, um, so it's uh, it's one of those things. Like, why does it not happen more than it does? And and I think it the truth is it does happen in places like Dublin a little bit. It happens in Cork. You hear about the Galway story and that. But but in truth, you know, the real advantage for for Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland is 
go and do this in places where there aren't the big tech companies because the big tech companies will just drive will just drive those businesses out. They just mm. will. Yeah, um, or, or buy them. Not their fault, <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 And you know, and and you know, having having that. So you have to think about it as a sort of. You have to think about it as an ecosystem, but for but for sure, you know, the growth of small indigenous businesses. You know, companies that will employ. You know, we employ two hundred and sixty people now. We employ one hundred and thirty of those in Northern, 140 maybe in Northern Ireland. You know, if you had if you had 100 companies doing that, all of a sudden you've got scale. Yeah. Right? And it's, you know, and it's not that hard. And it doesn't take that long. You know, Learning Club's been doing this for 15 years. You know, we probably slowed down for about five or six years in the middle of it. Why would you not do it quicker? Hmm. A final question yeah. is the future for you guys. The, uh, I know, I know it's a big market flux. There's a lot of changing. Uh, learning and development is the new mantra of the corporate world. But the you guys have been grown through acquisition and organic. What what would you say the next year or two would look like? Do you think, do you see yourselves continuing to make acquisitions? Do you see yourselves growing organically? Yeah, well, so the strategy is always to grow organically and then to make the acquisitions where they help us hmm. do that faster. Um, and so that is that is still the case. Um, we've on the foot of the remote learner acquisition, we've restructured our management team. I've taken this new title of group CEO, um, and, and that's about allowing us to build out the management capability of the business, and, 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 and in, 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 in all honesty, to give people who have got just masses of potential a bigger chance. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we will grow substantially this year. North America is a really, you know, we are growing by hundreds of percent in North America. Um, we signed our biggest, so a typical Learning Flow customer has probably got 10, 15,000 users. <coughs> we signed a deal in the US in the summer last year for a company that's got a million users. Wow. Um, and we're rolling that, we'll roll that out later this year. And that's, and, and so we've done one, right? And once you've done, and the, the first one's always the hardest job. So, so we want to do more of that. We're building out our sales capability. We're just, we're just, we're in a massive, you know, we're, we're, it's a funny thing. We're in a massive growth and reinvestment moment at this point. Um, but the business is, the business is growing, is growing really strongly. The, we're, we're, we've become good at acquisitions, actually. <laughs> acquisitions are very tricky. Um, yeah. The first one nearly fucking killed me, uh, John. <laughs> but the, after that, you know, we've gotten into a groove and we've got, we've got a process. We've got a process that is good for learning pool, but it's also great for the businesses that we that we've acquired and the people who work in those businesses. So, so we'll definitely do more of that. And you know, I mean, people always ask me, you know, what's what, what's the future? What's the exit? All that. I'm like, look, I'm 44. There's a pandemic. Um, we're enjoying coming to work every day, and we have all the options in the world about how we go about growing the business. I have nothing to complain about, so I'll just go back to work and keep at it, you know. Well, Paul McAvaney, thank you very much for your time. That was super. Thanks again. That was great, man. Thank you very much. And uh, uh, it was finally great to talk to you because, I mean, I've been watching you guys for years. I mean, going back, I think when I was used to be with Silicon Republic, I was covering you guys probably even uh, several years ago. You know what I mean? So I was watching you uh, grow regularly. So fair play. Yeah, thanks a million. All right, thanks, man. Thanks for keeping watching us. Thank you. Bye now. Bye.